This is Chad Harrison, and you're listening to Hope Alive, applying God's word to your daily life. Hi, this is Chad Harrison, and I am the teaching pastor of Lake Community Church and have been serving as a pastor for 25 years. I'm also a practicing attorney. This podcast is designed to help you study God's word and find God's will for your life. I pray in the name of Jesus right now that God would open up his word to you and allow you to see him and to know him and to know his will, that you might glorify him and that you might walk in faith and power each and every day, especially today in Jesus' name. Good morning. Welcome to Lake Community Church's morning Bible study. It's good to be with you this morning. Studying in the book of Genesis, we're in Genesis chapter 18 and we're in verse 16. And uh, we're beginning to deal with a with a verse and a chapter that that is of well, it's been a, of some controversy in uh, religious circles, and it's definitely been a verse of controversy from the world's perspective because uh, obviously when we're talking about the enemy and when we're talking about Lucifer, he uses God's word to his advantage. And what I mean by that, he doesn't use it correctly, and most of the time he changes or he alters it in some minor or small way such that such that it changes the meaning we see that most starkly we see that most the most starkly when we see him dealing with Jesus in the desert he uh, he quotes scripture to Jesus but he alters it a little bit he changes it he changes some of the words and um you'll find oftentimes when you're dealing with people who who are going to teach faults and teach the Bible falsely. And really what they're trying to do is they're trying to make the Bible say what they want it to say. You'll see them altering God's word. You'll see them uh, making little nuanced changes to God's word or telling you that God's word doesn't say that in a passage or doesn't say that in a, in a verse. And then you go back and look at it and it quite clearly does say that. It says certain things for sure and to the point that that we can easily identify but what the enemy is always trying to do is he's trying to lead people astray. And uh, when we're dealing with when we're dealing with Sodom and Gomorrah, and notice when we're in this passage that that God mainly is calling the area Sodom. It's not just two cities. It's it's an area. It's a region of the promised land. And it's a region of the promised land that was permanently changed by the events that happened in Genesis chapter 18 and 19. And so when we're dealing with Sodom and Gomorrah, it is important that you understand that this is a region of the world that was dominated by this city called Sodom and uh, its king. And in fact, earlier when 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 Abraham went out and went and got Lot and all his family who had been taken captive by the northern kings who'd come down and attacked the southern kings, one of the southern kings who had been attacked was Sodom. And, and when, when they came back, Abraham said to that king in, of Sodom, he said he didn't want to take anything that he had. He didn't want he didn't want the king of Sodom to be able to say that he'd made Abraham rich because he detested him. He thought him detestable and someone that he didn't want to have anything to do with. He, he thought him as an evil person and he did not want his name. Abraham did not want his name associated with the king of Sodom and with that area. And in fact, there's strong indication in scripture that he had issues with Lot because Lot had decided 
that he would live in the region that was dominated by the king of Sodom and dominated by the people there, that he lived in that area on purpose when he could have chosen an area that was not dominated by the people of Sodom or the Sodomites. And he said, then the men rose from there. These are the three These are the three angels, one of them being the angel of the Lord, one of them being the one that, remember, Abraham worshiped them and they didn't keep him from worshiping them. The reason they didn't keep him from worshiping them is because one of them was the pre-incarnate Christ. It's Jesus who is there with two angels. Perhaps they're the archangel Michael and Gabriel, but we don't know that. We just know that there are three men, two of them being angels and one of them being Jesus. And they rose from there and they looked towards Sodom. I mean, they rose from their position and they began to set their minds and their hearts on what was going on in Sodom. And Abraham went with them to send them on their way. Notice Abraham is walking with them as they begin to leave so that he can have some more time of fellowship, some more time of talking, some more time of being with God. And Abraham desired that's who Abraham was. And, and when we fellowship with God, God begins to reveal things to us. When we fellowship with God, God begins to show us things. When we walk in darkness, our minds become darkened and our minds become dull to the things that are spiritual around us. And, uh, and let me tell you something, that is a real thing. That is a reality in life. I know if you're a, if you're a believer and you've learned to walk with God and you've begun to walk with God, there are seasons when you walk closely with God in life from a real and a powerful perspective. And then as believers, we all wander away because we're, we're just not very bright sheep. If you deal with sheep, they're really dumb animals. And the Bible, that's for believers, that's the animal that God has picked to, for us to be represented by. We're dumb sheep, and sometimes we wander off and spend some time walking in our own minds and our own hearts <clears throat> in darkness. And when we walk in darkness, rather than walking in the light as he is in the light, that's from First John, we, our minds are dulled to the things that are going on around us. Our minds are dulled to the, the truth of what's going on in the world around us. And, uh, and we do not hear from God, and we do not hear from God you think we don't hear from God about the big things. It's not the really the big things that matter the most about hearing from God. It's the little things in life that add perspective and add depth to your understanding of what's going on in the world around you. And if you if you are always just worried about God showing you the big things, then you will miss all the little things and all the little things actually give you perspective about the big things. And when we walk and chase after darkness, rather than walk in the light as he is in the light, we, we struggle. We, we struggle. But Abraham was not a man who wanted to do that. Abraham didn't, when they said it's time to go and they looked towards Sodom, he didn't just say, we'll see y'all later. That's the Southern way of saying bye. He said, he didn't say that. He walked with him. He went with them to send them on their way. Have you ever walked out to the car with somebody <clears throat> as they left your house? or walked out to the road as they were about to leave and wave at them as they were going. If, you do, if you've done that before, if you've done that before, then you understand that that's how, what you do with someone you want to have fellowship with, someone you have a good relationship with. And, and that's exactly what Abraham was doing. And the Lord said, shall I hide from Abraham what I am doing? Notice, God is willing to reveal to Abraham, his plans and the things that he's up to. And he is asking himself a rhetorical question. He says, shall I hide from Abraham what I'm doing? And the answer is no. 
God's not in the business of hiding things, uh, generally speaking, from us. Now, there are some things that we don't know and we're not ever going to know, like the date and the time of his return. There's just things, how he's going to deal with Israel in the New Testament and in the millennial kingdom. We don't totally have an understanding or idea of that. God has intentionally kept that from us because it would alter the way we deal with him and his plans for us. But generally speaking, God is not in the business of keeping you in darkness about what's going on around you. He's in the business. He wants to reveal himself to you. And that in this question that he asked, in verse 17, he says, shall I hide from Abraham what I'm doing? What he's saying is, I'm not going to hide where I'm going and what I'm going to do right now. He needs to know. He needs to know what I'm doing. He needs to know my will. He needs to know my ways. And by knowing my will and my ways, he knows me. And so I'm not going to hide that from him. He says, since Abraham shall surely become great and a mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. Notice, not by him, but in him. When they're in his faith, when they walk by his faith, all the nations of the earth are going to be blessed by that. And he says, if this person's going to make a difference in the world that he lives in, which is exactly what Abraham ultimately was and is during this passage, he says, if Abraham's going to be those things, then I need to reveal myself to him. I need to show myself to who he is. And so he says, since Abraham's will surely become a great mighty nation and all the nations earth that will be blessed by him, I need to let him know my character and nature. I need to allow him to see that. He says, for I have known, that's a short little phrase, but it's power packed, isn't it? He says, I've known Abraham. Why has he known Abraham? Because Abraham has sought God out. Abraham has sought God by faith. And God is not just saying that he knows him in the sense of he created him. He knows him intimately, but he has known the heart of Abraham. You got to remember, God, God, God loves us. He does, he does love that that which He made. But our physical bodies is not what He loves, and our spirit, although it's perfect and in His presence, is not the aspect of us that makes us unique before Him. What makes us unique before Him is our soul. That's our. That's the core of who we are. That's our passions, our heart, and our intellect, our mind. The combination of the two creates to creates in us who we actually are. And, and God desires for us to know him in his heart and his mind as he desires to know our heart and our mind. And God says about Abraham, God says about Abraham, I want to know him. He says, I have known him. I have a relationship with him. He says, in order that he may command his children and his household after him, and they keep the way of the Lord to do righteousness and justice that the Lord may bring to Abraham what he had spoken to. What is he saying there? What he's saying is that that Abraham's going to be the father of many nations. He's going to be the father of great nations. And those nations need to know my feelings and the way I see things as in as far as what I'm going to do inside. He needs to know why and who I am as to the people of Sodom. Because what I'm going to do there is going to reverberate throughout history, and it's going to be a symbol of an understanding of who I am and who my nature is. And it is of the utmost importance that Abraham know uh, who I am and what I think about the things that I am saying and I am doing. And so Sodom 
is not only being handled and dealt with because of the great wickedness that is in Sodom, but Sodom is being dealt with and, and being dealt with at this time and in this season so that Abraham might know and so that Abraham might pass it on. And it's getting passed on. We know that because it gets passed on for several hundred years because this book of the Bible, the book of Genesis, is not written by Abraham. This book is written by Moses, who comes along three, four, five hundred years after Abraham. He is hundreds of years after Abraham. And the story of Sodom and Gomorrah is being told hundreds and hundreds of years after Abraham. And you say, that's not really long as far as history because the earth is a million years old. I don't know if you know it or not. But this old general, this person that we we talk about as if he came from antiquity, the General Napoleon, who ruled Europe, <clears throat> he ruled Europe. Do y'all know how long ago that was that Napoleon ruled Europe <clears throat> and controlled Europe? The answer is the answer is less than 250 years ago. In fact, it was about 200 years ago when Napoleon's army armies were marching and waging war all around Europe. That's just 200 years ago. We think about our nation becoming a nation a long time ago, and we're, uh, we've been here a long time. The truth is that we just celebrated its 245th birthday, and in, in time-wise, that's not very long. The truth is that, that the time between when Abraham and lived and this happened and the time when Moses wrote it down was far longer than the time that our nation has existed as a nation. That's important to get. That's an important perspective to understand. We've existed as a nation a lot shorter period of time than Moses was from Abraham. And this is getting passed down. And it's not only got passed down all the way to Moses, but Moses wrote it down. And it has now survived for over three millennia, over 3,000 years later. We are getting this knowledge, this understanding. We're getting this information from Moses, and we're studying it today in 2021. 3,000 years later, we're studying this story. And why am I going through all that? I'm going through all that for a reason. And the reason is that perspective on history and perspective on how God has acted in the past and that his desire is for us to know him <clears throat> from the actions that he's taken over the course of history and especially over the course of history with other believers and us understanding his nature from that is important. And so what he's doing here, he's quite clearly saying, I'm number one, I am dealing with Sodom because they're wicked. But number two, I'm dealing with Sodom in front of Abraham so that we might know why he's dealing with Sodom. And the society that we live in today, and many of the people that live in the society we live in, want to overlook. God has not changed over that 3,000 years. And let me tell you something, man hadn't changed either. Man's just as wicked as he was back then. And God's dealings with man have not changed since then. Now, God's ability to walk with us and to know us and our, our hope has increased because his covenants have continued on past this time. And ultimately, his fulfillment of his covenants have come in Jesus Christ. And for 2,000 years, we've walked with Jesus Christ uh, and known about Jesus Christ. But let me tell you, the covenants and the work of God in the Old Testament were not set aside and passed away when Jesus came. Jesus didn't come to destroy the law. He didn't come to destroy the Old Testament. He didn't come to throw it away. He came to fulfill it. And so the work of God in the Old Testament is a fulfillment of God's promises and God's work in that Old Testament. The work of Jesus Christ 
is a fulfillment of all those things. And says, so he says, for I've known him in order that he may command his children and his household after him, that they keep the way of the Lord and do righteousness. Notice, don't do as Sodom does, do righteousness. Righteousness comes by faith. Do faith and justice. Do what's just and good. He says that the Lord may bring to Abraham what he has spoken to him. And the Lord said, because the outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah is great. Notice, the outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah is great. What is the ad out, that outcry? The outcry is of the nations around them. The outcry is of the holiness of God. The outcry is their wickedness has come before God in its fullness. And the time for that wickedness to end is upon them. He says, and because their sin is very, and that word is a singular word of sin. All right. He says that their sin is very grave, meaning they're not just doing the normal things that people do in, in, in history. They're doing something that I'm not going to stand for. He says, I will go down now and see whether they have done altogether according to the outcry against it that has come to me. And if not, I will know. What he's saying is, what he's saying is, I'm going to see it for myself. God, the Lord God, Jesus himself says, I'm going to go down there and I'm going to see myself how they treat me when I show up as God. When I show up, I'm going to see what they have to say. And I know it's perplexing for believers and uh, something that we've talked about a little bit recently over the last couple of weeks. It's perplexing under for believers why, why the lost or why the wicked wouldn't, once they realize who Jesus is, why they wouldn't accept him, why they wouldn't receive him. The truth is that you're incapable of accepting and receiving him unless you're born again, unless he reveals himself to you. And second of all, wicked, there are going to be wicked, the wicked who totally deny and reject Jesus. They have always been, and they always will be. And, and spending your life toiling over why that is, is folly, it's, it's foolishness. We clearly see that there are those who've been revealed uh, in Scripture. There are many stories, the, the story of the rich man and Lazarus. There's just multiple stories in the Bible of people who know, who have been told the truth and yet refuse to walk in it. And that refusal to walk in the truth is not atypical of humanity. It's fairly typical of humanity. And we need to understand when we're going into this passage, especially when he's going to deal with Sodom and exactly what they do openly when he's there, not what they've been doing, but what they literally do when Jesus shows up with the other two angels. The things that they do when they show up is typical of how they act and who they are. And it's not going to be a courtesy issue, the issue of being courteous to, to people who are passing by, being courteous to people that you do not know, although that is a biblical understanding and it is a teaching of the Spirit in the New Testament, love your neighbor as yourself. But this is far worse than that. It's far worse than just ostracizing or not treating those who you don't know, the foreigner. That That is a scriptural understanding to treat those who are not from where you're at when they're in your area. We Southerners have a pretty good understanding of how to do that, how to make other people welcome who are not from here, even though they continue to want to practice the things that cause them to come here. We can be oftentimes overlooking and welcoming, even though they ran from the place that they came from and didn't like it, uh, and then come down here and try to make our place the same as where they came from, even though they hated it where they were at. We sure do love those who come from other places and realize that this is a special place 
and want to be as we are. And that's just my own little soapbox. What I'd say to you this morning is that God is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. And uh, he does not change. And his dealing with not only love and hope and life is available to us, but his righteousness and his holiness will be avenged on the earth. And that is going to happen here in Sodom as we spend a few days dealing with Sodom and dealing with the issues or really the primary issue that Sodom has and and God's view of that and God's view. As you go today, I pray that the Lord will bless you and keep you, that he'll make his face to shine upon you and that he will give you hope and peace today in Jesus' name.